This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio, where professional readers give voice to articles from Canada's best general interest magazine. I'm your host, Roger Ashby. How close are we to the end of the world? Lori Wilson reads, Ask a Political Scientist. This is a Q&A interview titled, Ask a Political Scientist, by Rachel Bronson, as told to Alex Tassar. After the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, In 1945, the scientists behind the bomb decided to mark the dawn of the nuclear age with the creation of the Doomsday Clock. For the past 75 years, it has been set to alert humanity to how close we are to, quote, midnight or total destruction as a result of human-made technology. The clock has been moved 24 times over its history, backward eight times and forward 16 But with the war in Ukraine and the climate crisis, the annual assessment released in January now feels more relevant than ever. We asked Rachel Bronson, president and CEO of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, a Chicago-based nonprofit that assesses global security issues, to unravel the science behind the clock. When the clock debuted in 1947, it read 7 minutes to midnight. In 2020, the time decreased to 100 seconds, where it remains today. How is the number calculated? The clock first appeared on the cover of the Bulletin's magazine. In those early years, the time was set at the discretion of the editor and founder, Eugene Rabinowitz, who adjusted it based on his discussions with advisors in the field. After he died in 1973, that responsibility moved to our Science and Security Board, which is made up of climate, nuclear, and tech experts. The time isn't determined by feeding data into computers and pumping out a number, though many of the scientists on the board are doing that regularly for their own work. Instead, it's a judgment based on whether humanity is safer or at greater risk compared to prior years. What factors are considered when making that decision? In 1945, the only technology that had potential to change life on Earth as we knew it was nuclear. There was great optimism around what it could do, power spaceships, provide sources of clean energy. But the risks were also very clear, so it became our focus. Over the years, other issues have become more relevant. Climate change isn't something that we were formally focused on prior to 2007. We're also keeping our eyes on emerging technologies and asking whether we're managing them in ways that are advancing instead of threatening life. More recently, we've given attention to how mis- and disinformation is being used to undermine trust in institutions. Are there notable examples of when the clock has moved backward or forward? International arms control agreements and changes in military postures tend to move the clock backward. The most significant change was in 1991, after the Cold War, when there was a real commitment to reducing the number of nuclear weapons being created. The year 2016 was another big one. There were big international agreements on the horizon, with the Iran nuclear deal and conventions in Paris around climate change. But then Donald Trump was elected president, and the United States pulled out of the Iran deal and the Paris Agreement. Instead of being able to move the clock back in 2017, we moved it forward. In 2022, because of the war in Ukraine, there has been a lot of attention on us. 
We reserve the right to move the clock at any point, but chose not to when the invasion first happened in February because we'd already factored the increasing tensions into our decision in 2021. Anything else we can learn from the clock? It's intended to be a symbol, to remind us that the fate of the world is in our hands. Ultimately, it's up to us policymakers and civic organizations to demand that we better manage the risks that science and technology present so that we can reap all of their benefits. That was a Q&A interview titled Ask a Political Scientist by Rachel Bronson, as told to Alex Tassar. I'm Lori Wilson. You've been listening to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio, produced by Don Dickinson. Audio engineering by Bill Shackleton and Jacob Shemansky. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank, and I'm your host, Roger Ashby. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating and review, and subscribe for more. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.